The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome! Welcome, everyone, to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Gabriel. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, I'm Dude Two, Joe. I can call you Gabriel. Yeah, okay, if you do that, you have to do it in, like, the uh, the fake Transylvanian, like, accent that uh, Richard Roxburgh does in uh, uh, the seminal classic Van Helsing. Are you talking about, like, when I only say the word Gabriel, or, like, when I, uh, the whole time? It's up to you. Like It's up to you. Like, every, so, like, if I'm like, how you doing, Gabriel? I mean, I'd be fine with that. What's, what's, what's going on with your life, Gabriel? <laughs> like, like that? If you want, I mean, listen, it's up to you. You know, Gabriel, the other day I was, I was talking to another Gabriel, and we were talking, <laughs> 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 it just makes it much more complicated. Yeah, it, it's li- like, uh, the Meryl Streep movie. It's complicated. <laughs> exactly. Like the Meryl Streep movie. Um... Like our favorite Nancy Myers movie, neither of us have seen, or at least I haven't seen. You have, yeah, you haven't seen. I've seen. Yeah, I haven't it's seen. You've seen it. You've seen it. it's complicated. Um, how you doing, by the way? Due to Joe, tired. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, by let's see, what what is this one? So by the time this one comes out, I'll be home from my trip uh, to Florida, going to Disney World. Uh, with Allison Feehan, uh, meeting up with a friend of a- a- Allison's um, at Disney, which is pretty cool. And my family's going to be down there, which is nice. Um, you have to tell them I said hi. I, I will. I will. They were asking about you, by the way, the other, when we when we saw um, Jurassic World Dominion with them. Aw. I hope they're good. The, yeah. I hope for good things for the family. Yeah. Uh, you know, just, just busy right now. Um you know, so I'm a little, admittedly, I'm a little frazzled, um, but I am glad we we can record today. Um, I'm trying to think what else I got. It's going to make it quick. I got Lawrence of Arabia on 4K. I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but it looks and sounds incredible. Um, really, it might be one of my best discs that I own, honestly. It just, because I remember I saw it like on Blu-ray like about a decade ago. I'm pretty sure, and it looked good then, but I'm like, I felt like I was watching a whole new movie. Oh, really? Watching on a 4K. It was, it was an experience. That's definitely one movie I would love to see on the big screen someday. But uh, I also did see um, a little movie, Jurassic World Dominion, as I sort of alluded to already. What's that? Uh, you know, it's, it's the latest uh, Colin Trevorrow uh, joint. He's very anti-establishment uh, filmmaker, you know. Uh, he, he, I've never... What else has he done? Um... You know, was it, uh, what's that? I think he wrote a book. Was it the Henry's book? Uh, oh yeah, I saw that. That was terrible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> safe, safe, uh, safety, not guaranteed, uh, with great Jake Johnston, which I liked. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time. It was okay. Like, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's hard for me to get so, like frustrated. I know some people and I respect a lot of people 
however mm. they get so <laughs> they get so caught up in this is the this is everything wrong with movies and i go great great man i mean sure that's fine if you want to think that it's fine and i'm not going to say it's perfect but it's far from that. i mean it probably there is a lot like it's all the nostalgia you know it mm-hmm. like but it's oddly enough it's a dinosaur movie where it doesn't really focus on dinosaurs uh, that is sort of weird. Which is very strange. I mean, I know, yeah. like, I will say, it was great seeing Sam Neill again, and all through all, everybody, um, you know, Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dern. Laura Dern, of course, not to discount them, but Sam Neill is one of those actors where I see him in a movie, he's great. Movies, movies, going to probably be at least three stars. Like that, that's, yeah. I think, I think that's, you know, Sam Neill, great. That's why Jurassic Park. Ricky 3, that's why Jurassic Park Three is <laughs> is a fine enough movie. I mean, it's got. Everything, everything an eight-year-old could want: spinosauruses, pteranodons, raptors who talk to each other, raptors who speak and say "Alan" in dream sequences, and Sam Neill. It's like what? Like what else do you need? Like what do you need? Cinema, all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, perfect. You know, but it, there was some interesting, like um, interesting dinosaur species um, that they had in there. I wish they had more prominence in the movie. And there's some good shots in there. I think the sequence that takes place in Malta is incredible. It feels like a Mission Impossible scene. I know there's been a lot is of that, born comparisons. Is that the the one where he's on like the dirt bike or whatever? He's on he's on the motor like motorcycle or whatever. In yeah, and it's I'm wondering if it's going to become a meme. But uh, like the dude on the scooter mm-hmm. that got eaten is the guy that won the contest that was going. At, like, do you remember that? Yes, you were telling me this. Yeah, I entered that contest. I didn't get in. It's okay. Obviously, or else I would have. You would have seen me get eaten. Did you watch in the, the <laughs> Did you watch the David Chen TikTok? I did. About yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll put I'll put a link to it in the description. But um, yeah, it, it was it was what it was. You know, um, I I, prefer, I it, honestly not to go on and on, but like it made me think of the Star Wars sequel trilogy um, in a lot of ways. Jurassic World is The Force Awakens. Um, it's very much sort of a, a soft reboot remake of the first film. Okay introducing it to a new generation fallen kingdom or the last jedi you might not like them i know a lot of people who hate fallen kingdom and a lot of people hate the last jedi and i don't give a fuck but that's a whole They're, other st- that's a whole other conversation probably, you can but yeah, you, what you can't probably what you can't go on on about that what you can't argue is that they got distinct directorial visions on both on on the last jedi and fallen kingdom that are incre- incredibly memorable and it leaves the franchise open to pursue pursue new avenues, which the filmmaker of the first film comes back to the third movie and completely, completely craps the bed with that. Um, I will say, I think I prefer Dominion over Rise of Skywalker, so I think that's a positive. It's a that's step something. in the right direction. The only thing is, like, one doesn't have Billy D. Williams, but on the other hand, one wasn't the Rise of Skywalker, so there's that. <laughs> 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 I love that this circled back to Rise of Skywalker somehow, as it should, because you know that's just that's just life. It's it's, it's the <laughs> source of my continual pain and suffering. <laughs> do, well, here's uh, after seeing Dominion. You know, I'm going to ask this in in context now. Um, do you think Trevorrow would have done a better job with Star Wars three? It just would have been different. I think. <laughs> it it would it, it probably still would have been shit, but it just been a different shit. Yeah, like you, you know how like you know different animals have like different poop 
poops. I, I think it's like there's there's the rabbit poops, little balls. There's like yeah. big elephant poops. Yeah, we got we got squirrels in our attic, so I, I got to see ra- uh, squirrel poop. And so and there's bird poop, obviously. So I think I think um, uh, JJ is like is like the squirrel poop, and then Trevor was like the bird poop. <laughs> I love that this is where we're at now. You know, um, <laughs> I did not think about, I, I, I did not think in my wildest dreams that I would be on a podcast and I would say the word poop like 10 times in like 40 seconds. But you know what? Poop is a great word. Listen, it's funny. Listen. And again, this is, it, it's what it is. It's a movie. It made money. I saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing, to checking out Lightyear. I'm going to see that with Feehan and Mike. Um, I'm seeing that in Dolby, actually, so that's going to be... I think that that could be fun. But how how have you been, more importantly? N- not poopy. Not poopy. Great. All right. Not poopy. That's all I need. Um, <laughs> no. Um, I'm, you know what? Today is actually a pretty good day so far. Um, I mean, it's Wednesday for us right now, um, which means a new episode of Kenobi came out, which I'm thoroughly loving that show i don't i'm honestly going but speaking of star wars it's a very star wars centric day for me but um i don't think i don't know the same for you but like i don't think i've been as excited for any of these star wars shows since the first season of mandalorian which isn't to say that i don't like the other shows because i really really do but like when that first season of mando came out like each episode you're like what's gonna happen next this is so exciting and interesting and just to see like what they're adding with uh, this with this character, and then with this show, it's like every episode's just been like something exciting and different, and all the actors are great. Like you and McGregor, like I, you compared it to Logan, which I think is pretty apt way to compare it, and uh, the way they incorporate Vader and like this most recent episode was pretty crazy. It just, and I'm sad that's going to be over next week. Yeah, I mean, I've been enjoying Kenobi quite a bit. Um, it definitely wasn't what I expected it to be. Um, no, but I'm I'm happy about that, honestly. Um, in you know what? Many respects. You know what I think is kind of crazy, just from like a technical standpoint. And again, I don't know if you feel this as well, but like when I look at the lightsabers on Kenobi, I feel like that's the most I felt lightsabers felt tangible. Mm. It's like I look at. Um, the lightsaber, like the history of light, like lightsabers have always been cool, but like when you go to like the movies and they look really good, but then I, I look at them on this show and I don't know if it's just a, a different way that they filmed it or b- different technology or if it's just the same thing they've done, they've just done it better, but I feel like I'm actually looking at a real lightsaber when I, I watch Kenobi. I think like with when, especially like if I remember correctly with some of the behind the scenes with like the sequel trilogy, it seemed like that they actually had like a saber hilt with like a blue beam. Like, you know, obviously there was like a a stick of some sort, but there's like a blue beam where it's like, Oh, this actually looks like it. Whereas especially back in like 77, they were like every frame they had to like, (laughs) they had to like put it in there somehow. Yeah. Like if you watch that, I don't know if you ever watched like the first teaser trailer for star Wars and how crude it looks in that Mm -hmm. teaser trailer. We've certainly come a long way as far as that stuff's concerned. We really have. We really have. It's just, it's so wild to like we'll look at it and be like I don't think that's a prop. <laughs> like they figured it out. It's like when they it's like when they um they um unveiled that retractable lightsaber for um Ray that was going to be at like the Galactic Star Cruiser thing or whatever. Yeah, right, right. It kind of made me think of that a little bit. I was like I'm looking at a lightsaber right now. 
Like, that's so weird. But, like, I'm really loving that show, and it's influenced me to buy the new LEGO Star Wars game, which I haven't played yet, but I I literally just did that today. And then I found a Black Series figure that I didn't that I had pre-ordered that I didn't think was coming out until uh, either later this year or next year, and uh, it was the Rosario Dawson version of Ahsoka Tano from Mandalorian, so I bought that. That was exciting. That was just a nice, like, surprise. That's good. So I now own three variants of Ahsoka Tano, <laughs> which I have no beef. All right. That's good. I like it. So you like have like, you have the uh, Mando one. I have the Mando one. I have the Rebels one. And I have the Clone Wars one. Right. Okay. I just want to make sure I got that which, straight. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely enjoy that character to have literally three separate versions of it. Oh yeah, I've, I've just it's, it's 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 been a nice day, and the only downside is that it's really hot out. It's mm. like hundred degrees right now, so I'm not overly excited about that. But I haven't started boiling yet, so that's good. That's good. That's good. I haven't really been outside. I opened the door, and I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> and then just shut it back. Yeah, like, like, like I helped. Nope. I helped my mom bring stuff in, and I'm just like. Why did I walk into? Why did I do this? Oh, I think they're trying to cook me. Well done. <laughs> uh, but that's pretty much the extent of what I've been up to. But I am excited for this episode. Um, even though, like, I, I just, just, just to tell the story, I kind of told it already in the last episode. But um, this is a weird one, admittedly, because we had a different episode planned, but we changed it because of current events. And so this this was kind of like stitched together a little bit. This sort of like, you know, like you could probably find comparisons between the two, but it's mostly just like you just watched one and I wanted to excuse to show you the other. Yeah, listen, yeah. folks, just just go with it. It's just two movies at this point. <laughs> this is I put this in the category of like uh, dude episodes, like episodes that are really just for us. Yeah, this is really for. I mean, we say we do the show for us, but this is really for us. This this is real. Like, if you don't listen to this one, I mean, please listen to it. But if you don't, we get it. <laughs> yeah, we 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 understand. Um, but yeah, because I know with the second film, you wanted to talk about that one for a long time. Mm. You know, um, since last year when it came out. But this first one was kind of a surprise. <laughs> this was, <laughs> and, uh, but. Um, Joey, what is what is our first movie that we're talking about? Um, well, I don't even know how to describe. Like, like <laughs> I, I want to say Wes Craven with a screenplay by Kevin Williamson, but I don't even know if I can really accurately <laughs> call it that. No, we're not talking about like scream stuff. We already did a great episode with Wikey on that. Um, no, we're talking about Cursed, which is a is just listen. Don't name your movie like. It's like it's like um it's like when you go on the stage and you say the name of that Scottish play, like <laughs> we'll have to try to avoid saying curse for the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> things like things just start falling apart, like like oh god, the Wi-Fi is not working, or like my microphone fell off. Well, because the thing is, what happened? The thing is, I I knew this movie vaguely because I watched a um um I don't know if you watched this video, but movies with Mikey did a great video on Scream. And talked about, yeah. and a lot of that was talking about the career of Wes Craven, and I only I never heard about them this this particular movie until watching it because he talks about how this movie was a disappoint it really was a disappointment, and yeah. 
Um, but I didn't know the full extent of this story. Like, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. But I decided, you know what? It's getting a Scream Factory Blu-ray. I might as well pick it up because I like to get like the the, the nice edition of things, you know. And it looks yeah. it looks good. And then when I told you I was watching this, you were just so perplexed. <laughs> I listen. First off, I should just say this: I love Wes Craven. I think this. Um, there's no mystery on that. I believe in whole Harvey Wes Dent. Craven. I believe in Harvey Dent, hundred <laughs> uh, <laughs> percent. And you know, admittedly, I've I haven't seen every movie he's done, and there's still a handful of movies I want to watch. But um, I've seen a, a good chunk of his career, and one thing I've always respected about him is that you know a lot of his movies are his or whoever he's collaborating with, like like Hills Have Eyes or. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, like those are his movies, or like Scream is his and Kevin Williamson's movie. And I never, in my wildest, if you'd have told me, if you'd have told me that at some point we were going to revisit Wes Craven, I would have been like, oh, that's exciting. What are we talking about? Red Eye? Are we talking about uh, Music of the Heart? His one like comedy drama that he did with Meryl Streep? Are we going to talk about uh, Hills Have Eyes? Like, what are we talking about? Cursed. <laughs> Kurt, okay. Um, oh my god. Okay, but you know what though? Uh, on the, the this there there is a story to tell with this one, so at least there's that. But I never would have expected this was the next time we would talk about Wes Craven. No, <laughs> no. I didn't think this would uh, get an episode of the show, and then it, <laughs> it happened. Here, here we are. <laughs> I blame the trial. <laughs> oh my! Oh my God. gosh! But, but Joey, I need to. Because here's the thing: like, I watched this movie in theaters when it came out, and I, I've seen this movie a couple of times. But this was the first time you watching this one particularly, and you had a whole experience. So I want you to kind of tell me about that a little bit. So, I, I only knew about it, like I said, through the, the movies of Mikey video that talked about Wes Craven. Um, Again, great video. And um, I, I picked it up through Shout. And I, I, I there's a bunch of discs from, from when I purchased that movie that I still need to watch. Like, I picked up a new Blu-ray of A Night in Casablanca. A movie I've been <laughs> wanting to have on Blu-ray for, like, 15 freaking years. I, st- <laughs> I watched Curse. Anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. But I put it on one night because I'm like, you know what? To quote to quote Dwight, our character of Dwight Swiggins is the most inside joke of all inside jokes. I like a spooky movie here and there, here and there. And I watched this one, and I like werewolves, as we know. We did a great one of our one of my favorite episodes. We did is our um, American Wolfman in London. We talked about those two masterpieces, um, yes. and I put this on, yes. knowing only a little bit of the reputation, and I'm like, okay, this already feels weird. Right, watching this, <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? I don't even know. I like, are, are these ladies that are popping in? Are these even like real people? Are these characters? Are am I, am I gonna? <laughs> do I really need to care about these people? <laughs> and then, and then Jesse Eisenberg shows. I'm like, oh shit, it's Jesse Eisenberg. That was which that was the first movie I've ever seen him in. Um, and he's good in this one. I think honestly, I, th- I think he does a good job uh, in that role. He makes you think of like Woody, like a Woody Allen type. Especially when, because he uh, eventually he and uh, Christina Ricci are like werewolves now because of shenanigans. But like, yeah. 
where like he's like no like no that's like the the unresistible attra- attraction that's what you feel to me it's not a you know natural like thing <laughs> like i'm you're not actually attracted to me i'm just like, like no like, like listen you know i was watching this and there's some i think there's some like really cool scenes um you know as far as like when christina ricci is like sort of reacting to just the way she's feeling and the way like she's sort of changing um, mm-hmm. I think, like, think there's a scene in the bathroom that happens that I thought was pretty good. Um, uh, you know, but it definitely feels like, hey, let's make Scream, but Werewolf and, um, not as good characters, I would say. I think that's the, that's one of my big things with this movie is like, I, other than one person in this movie that I thought was phenomenal and we'll get to her. Um, I didn't really care about anybody as like a character um mm-hmm. here I, I i got what type of character they were supposed to be and i got the, what they're trying to go for but it definitely felt like there were a lot of hands in the kitchen there were a lot there were way too many ingredients going on and that is reflected in the actual production of this movie as well mm-hmm. but you know, the funny thing is too like this movie good god so much happened because at first no one it i don't like other than miramax i don't think anyone actually really wanted to make this movie because mm-hmm. like as the story goes when um the pieces of shit known as the weinsteins came on board uh they wanted to i essentially i believe they wanted to just make a a more modern version of american werewolf in london basically mm-hmm. like like the next american werewolf in london and Kevin Williamson, who's known for uh, in the horror genre specifically for Scream, um, was writing a script, and Wes Craven was actually busy making a whole different movie called Pulse, which it came out with a different director and was completely rewritten, and I've never seen it. But that was the next movie he wanted to make. But the Weinstein's were basically like, "Listen." Uh, we want you to make this werewolf movie for us. And I imagine a lot of it was for the selling factor of, oh, look, the Scream guys are teaming up again. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wes was, for two for two reasons that Wes initially said no. A, for the obvious, he's already busy working on something else. And B, um, the script seemed too similar to a movie he'd already done, which was Vampire in Brooklyn, which didn't do very well, and he didn't feel like tapping into that mold again. Right. You know, so he was like, I want to do this. I want to move on. I want to do something different. And they're like, well, how about this? Whatever salary you're getting for this Pulse movie, we'll double it if you leave Pulse and come and make this movie with us. And at that point, Wes, in in his own words, made uh, one of the worst decisions of his life where he became a director for hire, basically. Mm -hmm. Which, again, like I talked about, like, Wes is one of those filmmakers that I feel like makes stuff for himself like makes his movies but that was one of the few times maybe the only time he's ever did anything at least later in his career that uh wasn't really his Mm -hmm. and so he's working on this movie and they get the cast together they get christina ricci they get jesse eisenberg they get judy greer and unfortunately they also get scott baio <laughs> but they also had Skeet Ulrich, who was Billy in uh, the Scream movies, or the first Scream. Um, they get uh, uh, Mandy Moore, and they get Omar Epps, 
and that, like all these different cast members and they film about 90% of the original film. This is like a, f- I, I want to say like 50 some million dollar movie that they're making at this time. Mm-hmm. And they're getting, they finally get to the, to the final scene and they're getting ready to film the ending and the Weinsteins cut them off. And they're like, this isn't, this isn't what we want this to be. Like this isn't working out the way that we want it to. So they basically go back to the drawing boards, completely rewrite the script, trying to retool. Like, like for example, in the final version of the movie, Jesse Eisenberg and Christina Ricci are brother and sister. In the original version, they were they they were strangers. Like, and Skeet Ulrich was like the the jo- the Joshua Jackson character. Mm-hmm. Um, but through all these rewrites and completely retooling the script. A lot of characters were changed or removed or recast. So Orrich left because he hated what happened to his character. Right. Joshua Jackson took over. Um, Mandy Moore um, was recast with Maya, who uh, is one of the girls at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Omar Epps is nowhere to be found. I don't even know what character he was playing. Yeah. Um, they actually had Jesse Eisenberg's parents, like his dad at one point, was in the movie. Or not his real dad, but someone was playing his dad. Um, and just just so much was different. And that was the beginning of the constant reshoot. So, like, over, uh, over a year's time and more and more money added, they completely changed the movie over and over and over and over until literally only 12 minutes of the original version of the movie remains in in this final version that is just so insane to th- like it's so wild to think about it's in it's absolutely like and it, it it was brought up a little bit recently because of the snyder cut stuff so obviously people are like where's the craven cut where's the uh or like the editor i think is patrick Lus- mm-hmm. I, pronoun- I, I might be pronouncing his name right okay. but um he's he's talked a lot about it because he has all the original footage of every version of the movie and so everyone's like release release the the craven cut or release your cut of uh of curse and he's like well i would but we don't have an ending <laughs> and it's been significant amount of time later and Wes craven's dead yeah so yeah that's not happening unless someone like has the technology or someone really it someone gives us some kind of money i doubt that's ever going to happen um but just the fact that, you know, this whole thing happened with this movie is insane. There was even a point where, like, crew members allegedly, or they were planning to, I don't know if they actually did it, but they were wearing Cursed 4, Back for More yes. shirts. <laughs> so And, um, like, it's funny even just watching the final product, knowing all that, because there's so many scenes where you, you watch it and, like, Jesse Eisenberg's clearly wearing a wig. <laughs> <laughs> Or, like, Joshua Jackson looks significantly different than he did in, like, yes. the previous scenes. Yes. Um, Christina Ricci, I think her hair changed at one point. Um, and so much was so different. And a lot of it, I think, is because the Weinsteins wanted the movie to be American Werewolf in London. So, But the thing is, I think they didn't understand that the, the pieces that they had to get to that conclusion weren't wasn't gonna happen and so they just kept constantly like revisiting it and revisiting it and, like how can we do this how can we do this and obviously you know it, i don't ever i don't know or really care if uh the movie achieved what they wanted but they wasted so much of everybody's time a 
and B, the movie went from being like a, a, a somewhat modest, like forty, fifty million dollar movie to being like almost a hundred million dollars. <sighs> and it's it's one of those things where the money is certainly not on the screen because I don't think no. it looks. I don't think it looks great. <laughs> Even like Rick Baker was involved with the designs, but everything that's in the movie, as far as prosthetics, he didn't do. Yeah. Like, it's it's insane. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, and talk about American Werewolf in London trying to replicate that, and you have Rick. You have the bio, you have him. You have Rick Baker, you know. But man, it, what it, it just it is a. Di- but I will say, I didn't hate this movie. I had <laughs> like that's the that's the funniest thing about all of this. But you know what? You know what's like? Here's something. I'm gonna give you a little inside scoop into Joey's brain. A little bit. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so like. On the surface, you could say, oh, Joey, he loves old movies. Joey likes uh, King Kong. He likes all this stuff. And it's like, no. That's that's just that's just level one. <laughs> that's level one with Joey. The truth is, the truth is, the real defining element of Joey's interest when it comes to movies is one word. <laughs> it's one word, and that word is schlock. <laughs> <laughs> this man like there's so there's so many movies that like like most other people will watch and just be like what is this and joey will be like this is cinema <laughs> 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 this is fantastic and i don't blame him because a lot of it a lot of it is great but it's like that's such a defining characteristic of joey and it's fantastic to see to see it manifest every so often <laughs> i just like seeing stupid <laughs> shit man <laughs> Like, just 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 for context, like as far outside of like schlock the movie, unless that is the answer. But like, what would you say is your favorite schlock movie? <sighs> that you're you're really you're really putting me on the spot here. Yes, I am. I mean, listen, like I think about like B movies. Okay, back in the day, one of my one of my gr- the great ones, um, I think, is the Giant Claw. Uh, which recently got a Blu-ray release. The Giant Claw is infamous because the special effects are terrible. Just god-awful. Okay, It's literally just like a puppet where the mouth barely moves. It's like... <laughs> it's just it's just Martin Landau with a, with an octopus. <laughs> like, and, but everybody in the movie is like, as if this is like serious shit. It's like treating as if it's like serious shit. And that's when it gets really amazing. Is when you see it, and, and they're just like they're taking this so seriously. It was like the second, like, like oh, God just spoke. It's like no, there's this stupid ass puppet. <laughs> but they're trying. They're trying. Um, you know, you know. Like speaking of like B movies, you ever hear about the movie The Lost Skeleton of Cadavera? I have not. Okay, so. <laughs> This is like an this is an intentional like cheesy movie. It's basically like a fifties B movie made like in the two thousands, and is black and white. The main villain or one of the main villains is a skeleton who who barely moves, and you think, oh, does he have like a really menacing voice? It's like not really. He just sounds like a guy. <laughs> he's like he tries to sound intimidating, but he's not. You know, and there's a character. There's a character in the movie, Richard, who is half human and half forest animal. Which, there's all sorts of, so, like, what, like, um, just, just so many, like, like, stupid things, you know, 
And then, of course, there's the movie Schlock, which is um, John Landis's first uh, directorial effort. Also, <laughs> the suit was made by Rick Baker. Oh, my God. It all comes full circle. It all comes it full all, circle. It all comes back. It all comes back. Everything connects to Schlock. But speak like the things I really enjoyed, this is the biggest thing I enjoyed. If she wasn't in this movie, this probably would have been like a two-star, one-and-a-half-star movie. Judy Greer in this movie. Now... A.K.A. the mom in every The mom in every movie. And I was so worried, like, early on, because she just seems like, like, her character seems just like a, like a bitch. And I'm like, oh, she's a werewolf! <laughs> <laughs> it's so, I'm like, I was, like, that was the part where I was like, oh! Whoa! This is... <laughs> and the, the transformation is so stupid, and seeing the fight, it, I'm like... And then, of course, the... Yes, the middle finger. The middle finger. Oh yes. my god. Dude, I, I laughed so much, I unplugged my headphone just there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, <sighs> man. But, like, that was, like, like I walked... Because when I rewatched it, because it had been a long time since I'd seen it, and when I watched that scene, when she, when she finally reveals herself, that's the best scene outside of maybe, like, the wrestling scene yeah. in the movie. Because I have a special love for that, because it's so, like, WB network. <laughs> yes, it is. That, that was another memorable scene, for sure. <laughs> it's like, like, Jesse, okay, just for context of this scene as well. No, no, before we get to that, I want to talk about Judy Greer. I don't want to, I don't want to cut her off. Um, cause she is, she is literally the best part of the movie. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's a lot of great people in this movie, but I do agree. A lot of the characters, you just don't really care. And a lot of it could just be, I, I'm very curious what they would have been like, had they stuck their guns, but you know, it, it's what it is. It's, it's yeah, unfortunately. Well, we can't judge that. We can only judge the movie that we have right here. Exactly. So, but like, um, she, like, especially when it's revealed that she's a monster, like she's having fun. Mm-hmm. She's, she's licking, um, Michael Rosenbaum's dead blood body gut stuff. Amazing. She's she's given the finger as a werewolf. Um, she uh, I love that the way that they drew her out to for the cops to shoot her was to call her like ugly. <laughs> like she's so stuck up, and her her outfit is horrible. She's like you bitch. <laughs> oh man, and. And just that whole that whole thing was just great, um, and I think you were correct when you said this after watching it. We we completely misused Judy Greer. Yes, for sure, because she is just mom. In the summer of 2015, she played the mom in Jurassic World and the mom in Ant Man, and then later she was the mom in Halloween. <laughs> like. J- Judy, I mean, listen. I'm sure Judy Greer is happy just getting a paycheck, but I want, I want, like, I, and I like Judy Greer. And too. Judy Greer, see, it's nice, but I want some some juicier role. I mean, I got to watch more stuff too. But um, mm-hmm. as far as like big stuff, she deserves better. Is what we're trying to say here. The first movie I ever saw her in was that Jawbreaker movie. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of that? It sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. She played like a nerdy kid that was like picked on by um, Rose McGowan and her friends, and then like. They they went too hard and they killed her by like putting a jawbreaker in it. It was gross. That sounds um, gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, <clears throat> yeah, she's she's having an absolute ball, and the best scene in the movie is probably when they're at this like house of wax place and like she's trying to kill Jesse Eisenberg and Christina Ricci. 
Um, but my my favorite scene, and according to the editor, apparently this was from the original. This is one of the twelve minutes. Was the wrestling scene? Oh my gosh! This so if they had done the original, this scene would have been in it, and I would have been happy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so here's the context for this. So this is this is very Teen Wolf, mm-hmm. basically. So like Jesse Eisenberg in this movie is a teenager in high school, and he's he's kind of nerdy when we first meet him but then like he's getting uh more sexy because he's a werewolf now so he's sexier his hair's straighter it's not curly anymore um he's uh he's got more confidence and he gets picked on by milo ventimiglia i believe is how it's pronounced um he's the guy from this is us uh I don't know if he's like the main guy, but he's one of the, he's the person I think of the most. I think it's because of this movie, honestly, when I think of This Is Us. But yeah, he plays Bo, Milo Ventimiglia. But you, you know who he is. Like, cause yeah, every, but his name... like everybody other than us watches This Is Us. <laughs> I, I'd like to think so. Um, but in the movie, his name is Bo. And Bo actually has a pretty big character arc in the movie because he's like this bully that picks on Jesse Eisenberg. But more specifically, he's always very homophobic towards him. Mm-hmm. But then we learn later it's all because he was in the closet and he reveals himself to Jesse as being gay. Though a lot of it is influenced because Jesse is a werewolf and he has unnatural sexual magnetism, as he yeah. explains yes. to him. Yes, Um <laughs> Which I think was an important element to put in the script because Kevin Williamson himself is gay and has wanted to add more of those elements into his film. Same with like Don Mancini, who does the Chucky show, or created Chucky, period, the character. And so you look at those movies and even the show, and they've progressively added more and more elements of that. So that's always that's always welcome. Um, but that's one of the shticks with Cursed is that he picks on Jesse because he assumes that he's gay and says like all the all the words unfortunately yes, all the words um <clears throat> and um one day and jesse's character um uh what the hell is his name in the movie? <laughs> jesse eisenberg <laughs> he's just jesse eisenberg but jesse is like got he has a crush on bo's girlfriend and so he's like talking to her and stuff and she's like kind of into it and then um he he like eggs him on to um, try out for the wrestling team because they're having tryouts at the time in the gym and uh, they're like oh we're gonna kick the shit out of this kid little do they know <laughs> little do they know this kid's got some werewolf DNA in him so like he's like pulling wrestling moves on these kids and he's like throwing them around <laughs> and stuff. like one of the best parts is like um, like he's got uh, he's got Bo in a headlock and one of Bo's friends sees that he's losing and charges after him <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then he just like he just like flips him behind himself. He spins in the air and knocks the friend out. And the teachers are just standing there, <laughs> like not doing anything, just letting it happen. <laughs> like, why is it this kid on the team? <laughs> See, I think, but um, I think one thing I'll say is Social Network is a good movie, but I think it would have been better if it had a wrestling scene. <laughs> if it had a wrestling scene where Mark Zuckerberg and and. Uh, Andrew Garfield's character. I'm sorry, his name. <laughs> Which, by the uh, way, Andrew Garfield is fantastic in that movie. Um, he's so good, so good. But um, my favorite thing about the wrestling scene is the music cues. Yes, 
<laughs> so like when Jesse first like starts winning the wrestling match, you just start hearing down 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 and then like and then the best one is when Bo's like, "Let me have a crack at it, coach." And he's like, "You okay with Oh, Jimmy. His name is Jimmy." Jimmy. I just remember that. He's like, "Um, you want you want you want you want to do it, Jimmy?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Go for it, Bo." And then you just hear, "Bring it on!" <laughs> As he turns his head slowly. Richard, I just, uh, I was also thinking about your schlock comment, and like, you know it's another bad movie that I just love? What? Balls of Fury. <laughs> yes. That's like, that's like top, t- uh, why that's not in your top four letterbox right now is baffling to me. I should just do an April Fool's thing where it's just like four <laughs> bad movies that, that you're like, I love all of this. Listen, Jurassic Park 3, Balls of Fury, schlock, which is probably the best of those movies, honestly. Uh, Oh my God! What would what Van would Helsing? A, Van, well, no, no. Van Helsing's too good for this list. <laughs> Fair. Right, I like Van Helsing. V- Van Helsing, I I love Van Helsing. <laughs> I'm look, I have, I I still have my DVD copy from when I was a child, um, <laughs> where you can play the Xbox game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I got the DVD, the London Assignment too. Oh, it's so good. It's great, right? Um, it's so good, man. But anyway, um, the, yeah, this is a movie that feel like should should not have been made, but it exists, guys. It it's there, and for what it's worth, like I I do concur with you that for what it is, it isn't as bad as it could have been. No, um, but I definitely like it significantly less than you do. I think. <laughs> I think I think that's fair to say. I think that's yeah. fair to say. Um, you know, I, I like I said, it was one of those things. I just put it on. I'm like, you know what? I had no, I have no like attachment to anything. Like, you know, I like, right. I enjoy Scream quite a bit, but I'm not like, oh yes, I'm looking forward to watching this uh, Kevin Williamson Wes Craven team up. Uh, I don't have that. I, I don't say, have that level of hype. You know, I guess I, I don't have. I that. will say, mm-hmm. excuse me. Uh, I will say, if you do ever want to watch a Kevin Williamson high school horror movie that I feel like is sort of what Cursed wanted. To, would have been had it worked out watch the faculty okay it was directed by robert rodriguez who i love yeah and the whole premise of the movie is that you got these teens you got elijah wood you got josh hartnett um you got all these different people and they start to notice that their school is being infiltrated by aliens that sounds amazing and like and and they're all teachers so like it's it's literally teachers versus the high school students and not to spoil the movie too much, but one of the ways that they learn to defeat the teachers, defeat the aliens, cocaine. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> speaking, speaking of Robert Rodriguez, we got to get got get some of his stuff on our, on our show at some point because well, yes, we'll talk more about that when we get to it. But you know, again, um, I don't think it's the worst movie ever, but again, it, it certainly has its faults and its. Um, this is what happens when you just have a studio mandate that says we demand this thing to be made, and you know, and we a, need it to be this way. And again, there's people out there who will like simp for producers over like creatives. And I'm not saying creatives always have the right answers with certain things. Like sometimes, like I think about Kevin Feige, he's one of the few like producers who could probably like shape something up to be like, hey, we got to go this direction. But a lot of yeah. the time, producers are just there to be like, okay, I want to contribute. So I'm going to give my note. And just justify my right. existence, um, you know. And I think this is clearly one of those instances where 
I think at first it just shouldn't have happened, but like you should have let the people do do what they were trying to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> like like you asked you asked these guys to make a werewolf movie. They were making it and then you were like, This isn't what we wanted. It's like you picked us. Like, that's another thing too. Like when it comes especially when it comes to movie making, not everything is is entirely possible, especially when you're like a small budget or if you're like like say in my case or like someone else's case that are like like amateur people, you know, you can only do so much, but you but you try to do as much as you can with what you got. Which is the ultimate thing. Right. You should never try to do more than what you can if you if you don't have the right tools for it, I guess. Right necessarily that's not to say like to stave your creativity or anything like obviously reach for the stars but there's there's definitely a point you have to like logically sit down and say okay can we logically achieve this and that's why that's where like some of the best producers come in they're like well we can't afford this because of this budget or we can't like i think of um uh two things i think of i think of uh there was uh an ep- there was uh the last one of the last seasons of project Greenlight. mm-hmm um, and this dude was making this movie that that you know Ben Affleck and Matt Damon picked him to make it, and this producer was like, "Okay, um, we can we're gonna we should we could do it like this. It could be cost effective. We can we can add reshoot days if we need it. You know, we can make this work." And the director was like, "Nah, I want to shoot it on film, which you know he he can't afford it, a, uh, but like even though film is." great but like at the same time like sometimes things are just more cost effective but he was adamant like i want to shoot this on film and they're like okay well if you want to shoot it on film then that means you're going to sacrifice any money to be able to reshoot anything so anything that you shoot on film while we're doing it you will not be able to fix later and one thing was um they did this they were trying to do this big car stunt that they could not do at all and they could only really do it once mm-hmm. and they failed miserably and they couldn't go back and do it because they didn't have the money. And then HBO came in and just like messed with the movie like crazy. So it's like at the end of the day, you know, all that money that you could have used to try to make a better product, you wasted because you were so focused on this one thing. Yeah. Um, and so in that case, like a producer worked out. But then the, the, I also think of yeah. Oh, go ahead. I mean, but th- but that's also somebody who's like proactive and like saying, look, we like looking at it like from it looks seems like from like pre-production perspective like this is what we can do kind of thing yes. whereas this feels like it went so far down the road that you should have just really let them finish it like 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 there was there's always that one person that's always like hey this is this is what i want it to be whether it's a producer or a director and yet it's like can you do that with what you got right not necessarily, but the other thing it made me think of was a friend of co- a friend in college uh, was made literally made the same movie three times. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. But you know what? In, in his defense, it got better. I mean, I guess there, I guess there's that. You know, so, but, I mean, but listen, listen, it's very Alfred, different again from this scenario. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock made uh, the man who knew too much twice. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, hey. But at least, at least he got. At least it was his pick. You know, it wasn't like like Craven, Craven Williamson, and all these guys were probably just sitting there like, "You want us to do more reshoots? Yeah. What's what's wrong with that? This movie is a hundred million dollars now. <laughs> we have twelve different. We could make a whole like television show that changes drastically in one episode because the actors are different. <laughs> <laughs> like we could argue like. 
season two, uh, Skeet Orridge got recast with Joshua Jackson, and then... <laughs> oh my god. Uh, like, the fact that they were able to get through all that, you know, props to them, and fuck the Weinsteins. Yeah. That's my... Um, yeah. Now, we're, we're going to take a brief, uh, brief intermission, and when we come back, um, I really don't know how to describe what the hell this is, um but greatness it was great that's all i can really say <laughs> and it was just what stay tuned Welcome back to Two Dudes One Double Feature. In our last segment, we talked about the cursed production of Cursed. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, by the way, is it a lot better that I didn't make you do it again? The the and we're back thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, I, I I didn't feel strongly one way or the other. All right, all right, cool. I was just curious. Yeah, no, that's, it's it's your job, so you do it. All right, hit. No, I already did it. You already did it. Bring it on. Uh, yeah, overdo a good thing. <laughs> just turn your head. Um, but now, uh, for this half, we are talking about a movie I have been waiting dearly to get onto this show ever since I watched it last year. Joey, what is that movie? It's um, James James Wan's *Malignant*, which, <laughs> like, the only thing I'll say this like going, in, I I knew nothing going in. I knew James Wan was involved. It was on HBO Max. Like, it was one of those day and date, you know, things uh, when mm. it was in theaters and HBO at the same time. Um, and that's reflected in its box office too. It didn't recoup its budget, um, unfortunately. But it would, I think, that would have been a tough ask to do. Given we are still we at that point we were still recovering. I mean, we're still. I mean, we still are. But like, yeah, it was so early for like movie theaters to be open at that point that I don't know if that would have done very well. Uh, done very well in that circumstance, right? Yeah. Even if it was all theater theatrical. So you know, there's that. Yeah, but I am glad that it exists nonetheless, and uh, just being able to have this on the show, and just the fact that you finally watched it. Yes was super exciting because because this movie and i'm glad you didn't know anything on that note as well but this movie is just a roller coaster of just wild crazy fun stuff and i want to again similar to this i wanted to get your perspective on it firsthand before i get into it so i need because i actually because after we watched it because normally whenever joe and i watch a movie we just kind of we talk about it a little bit but I knew because a we were recording today, but uh, I just wanted to 
avoid talking about it because I wanted to wait till this moment to get your full like review on it. So lay it on me. It's definitely. Uh, I thought it was great. Um, for one, it's definitely like a like a slow burn kind of thing. And I'll say this yes. much. Um, I hate like modern horror movies because I hate getting like scared it's not a sensation that i enjoy so Mm -hmm. this movie was more crazy than it was scary which is what i which is what i i was more go i wasn't going ah i was more going what the fuck is that (laughs) which is the exact reaction this movie start when it's when it starts out i'm like yeah this is cool you know the room like the room whatever you know and she sees stuff and whatever and then when when you get to the, like the final like thirty minutes or so or whatever, it is just like, and you're just like, <laughs> like as you say, it's it, it is uh, it is quite a roller coaster. Um, who's the, Annabelle Wallace is the is the Anna, lead in this? Anna, Annabelle Wallace plays uh, Madison Mitchell. Ma- Madison, the, our, um, our main character. No, no, she's good. There there are some great scenes where when she's screaming, like she she her, channeled. She channeled like old school like Scream Queen so well. Yes, I was thinking that, and uh, like especially her her face, like when she's like dead center, she's like ah. <laughs> <laughs> so many so many well earned screams in this one from her. Um, I'm trying to think what else, but you know, it, it, it's just a, it's such a um, you know, there, there there's so many like little weird like twists and turns but i think mostly it was just wild is really just the word i would use to describe this um this movie do you want to get into the plot um yeah of this because this is by the way because this is a newer movie and granted it came out last year i do want to say spoiler warning because this is one of those movies that i i think everybody should watch without knowing anything yeah our recommendation is to definitely check it out if you like you know spooky things you know it's um it's a little bit on the grisly side as far as like blood and stuff um for certain certain scenes might bother people um yes yes you know I'll I'll say that up, up front with it just so that way you're not going in and like completely yelling at us justifiably like, in that situation what is that we, this, yeah sorry about that this is uh, like yeah but go ahead <laughs> oh my goodness okay so this movie we got Madison um she's well, no. You know what? We're going to start earlier. One of my favorite things about this movie is that it opens on a spooky castle-looking hospital. Yes. With, like, atmosphere and everything. It, in many respects, it feels like it evokes, like, the sort of early 2000s version of horror, which, you know, to be frank, like, that that era of horror is kind of hit or miss for me, because, like, you had, on one hand, like, the, it was kind of the rise of torture porn, like that sort of aesthetic that was which James Wan was kind of involved with with the first scream the first not scream the first saw movie even though the first saw movie is not really all that gory really which is kind of fun like you go back and watch it and you're like this was torture porn i guess i don't know but um <clears throat> with uh and then like along that along that like from the leading in from the 90s we had these like super atmospheric remakes of like 50s vincent price horror movies from joel silver like uh ghost ship uh house on haunted hill um uh 13 ghosts like movies like that were all getting remade and like visually there were some interesting things but like the movies themselves like i haven't seen them in a while but i at the time it was just like 
why do you exist? But uh, but James Wan grew up, I feel like, or came into that era with with his horror movies. But he always stood out because, like, I've always thought he was an incredible director. And so he kind of so this movie sort of harkens back to that a little bit. But I think with the more modern and experienced sensibilities from working on more movies since then that James Wan has developed, like when he like even not even just from horror like working on action movies too like like uh working on aquaman or furious seven so much of that has influenced what this movie became and i feel like this might be my favorite horror movie he's ever done <laughs> um but like uh the start of this movie is this is a great is a great visually beautiful setup with incredibly great camera work where we're in this hospital and this like thing named gabriel is killing all these doctors and nurses. And one of the nurses is a returnee to our show. Yes. Um, Anaxuna Moon, even though she's not in the... It's like a cameo, basically. But it's Anaxuna Moon from the first Mummy movie. Which is very exciting. And like mm-hmm. I had to be like, Joey, you know who that is. And I'm like, I do. You- but I'm like, I'm like, what? <laughs> there she is! Like, she's just there. Um, but, uh... Then we learn that it's like a little kid, which is like okay, interesting. There's a little kid that's like super powered and evil, I guess, and can only talk through a radio. Mm-hmm. And then we shoot to the future, and that's where we meet Madison, who at the time is pregnant, but she's in this like really toxic relationship. Um. And the the guy the guy that she's with is incredibly abusive, and does pro like for all the gruesome stuff, it's probably the gnarliest thing in the movie, as far as violence is concerned. Ugh, yeah, because but it's but it's the inciting incident because if this never happened, then the movie wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sadly important, but it's also and I think it's also um important as far as the themes because this is a very like oddly enough like this is kind of a feminist movie in a way. Like it is very like, you know, very pro women and like the whole, like the way that the, the narrative is. But, um, when we first, uh, when we first get to this moment, like he's like pissed off at her because, you know, she's, she's trying to work and she's trying to, you know, keep living. But, you know, he's like, he's more mad than worried for her that she's working while pregnant. And then he starts like he starts screaming at her, and then eventually she pushes him away, and then he slams her head, yeah, onto the wall. And then he's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." And that and at that moment, like, like it was funny because Joey goes, "If he has a Humpty Dumpty story," <laughs> <laughs> which is a reference to our last episode, but if he has a Humpty Dumpty story, this movie gets one star. And I'm like, "You'll be fine. Trust me." Okay. <laughs> Which uh, he does, he does get his comeuppance later, but it's just like because Maddie, when we first meet her, feels like kind of like a anxious, sort of meek character, I guess. And as the movie progresses, she she becomes stronger mm-hmm. and and more in control of herself and and what she wants. Um, but um, we meet some of the other, and unfortunately, after that incident, she loses her baby. And not because of the head thing, but because there was an evil like entity that was in the house that killed the husband 
and uh, um, she got slammed onto the ground when the, when the entity was like trying to break into her room. But she lost her kid, and this was like the third miscarriage that she's had. So she's she's she, Maddie's had it rough, basically. Yeah, she's had she's had a rough time, and fo- folks, I mean, that's another just you know warning. Like it delves into that quite a bit too. Um, yeah, dom- domestic violence and miscarriages. So again, just keep that in just, mind. Just just be wary of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's I, I think one of my favorite things in this movie are the, are the two uh, detectives, mm-hmm. Shaw and Ross, Detective Shaw and Detective Ross. Yeah, like, it's a nice like, and they're just they have some like some goofy jokes um, here and there, and there's some like just fun like slightly comedic things <laughs> going on with those two. <laughs> I love I love um, when uh, the sister comes into play, like Madison's sister, uh, Sydney. <laughs> and and she believes that cops actually consult with psychics, right? <laughs> and at one point they get a hypnotist, and she's like, "I knew it." <laughs> and then the one cop's like, "She's not a psychic, goddammit. it!" <laughs> uh, the handcuff, the handcuff bit was was funny too. <laughs> yeah, because because uh, Sydney and um, Detective Shaw are clearly, like, into each other. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, you can put the cuffs on me, and she looks at him, and she goes, uh-uh. <laughs> and the best part is um, when Detective Ross just looks at him like... She's shaking her head. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but it is, it, it, like, like the twists and turns, like, like when, when they are, when, um, because we fi- also come to find out that Maddie was adopted. Matt Madison was ado- yes. was adopted, and her adopted mother and her um, sister adopted sister watch a video watch these videos about what actually happened. So it turns out, like Ma- Maddie obviously has like that that tumor named Gabriel. Okay, I don't. <laughs> yes. So so we talked about Gabriel at the beginning. Gabriel is a parasitic twin. Yes, <laughs> and it's it's like. It's developed only so much to the point where it has arms and like a face and a rib cage. Yeah, but that's it, and it's attached to the back of Maddie's head from her neck down to her like lower back, and it's just got these little like T Rex yeah. arms basically. And it and most of the time you, when you see it, it just goes ah! ah yes, and it's the most terrifying thing. But it's also like aware. So like it like it can tap into Maddie's brain, mm. and um, it can actually like what we learn take over Maddie's body, which uh, explains how because like the whole the whole crux of the story as it's building up is that periodically, after everything has happened and after the, all the traumas that Maddie has suffered, she starts seeing all these people being murdered by this this figure in black, which. One of the biggest influences of this movie is like Jallo films, similar to like with Last Night in Soho when we talked about that. But this goes more into the like I want to say Baba era versus Argento. I'd say. Well, no, no, it's it's kind of it's a little bit more Argento. I would say it's like deep red. Like even some of like the visual staples of of a Jallo film, like uh, eye close ups. There's a lot of those. Um, Another good visual cue is um, the killers are always just all in black, and um, all of them have gloves with zippers. Yeah, you were pointing this out as we were watching the movie. 
Yeah, when you go and watch Jallo films, you'll notice they all wear black gloves that have zippers on them. It's an interesting visual cue. Uh, but um, and they're and they're all different too. But it's just it's just kind of funny. Mm. So Madison is it like it's the way it's presented too is really cool because like the room melts away and then behind it is like where she's actually at and she's watching Gabriel taking over her body wearing this really cool like tattered trench coat um uh killing all these all these people that uh worked at the hospital at the beginning of the movie right right and he and how he does it is he 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 uses this trophy that he fashioned into like this spear with a handle yes which is kind of like gnarly to look at um and so Maddie's freaking out this whole time. She's like, how am I able to see all these deaths? And then the first sort of indication that maybe she might be involved is that um, there's this other woman who is kidnapped. Uh, who's a, She's a tour guide in Seattle where the movie's set. And she's actually played by Uncle Buck's niece, which was fun. Huh. Um, so she she gets kidnapped and she's in this like creepy attic or this like this like lair somewhere mm-hmm. maybe like a shed or something right and she and she escapes and she falls through the floor and we learn she's in the attic of maddie's house yes which was like the first indication something's weird going on here and then maddie gets arrested basically and especially after they found the coat the knife like pretty much everything like all the evidence is pointed that maddie did all this um, which is partially true. Mm. <laughs> and then that's when uh, her sister does the investigation and learns that Gabriel is uh, not an imaginary friend, which they assume throughout the movie, but he's actually a parasitic twin. Yeah. And what the, the reveal is insane because she's she's in she's in like the drunk tank basically at, at like a pre at the precinct in uh where she gets arrested and she's with all it's huge by the way and she's with all these other women who are just like staring her down like fresh meat and zoe bell's there and zoe bell if you don't know her is like uh a very famous uh stunt person and she works prominently with tarantino who like casts her in like prominent roles but she's mostly known for stunts and so you know when she's there something about to go down yeah and and what goes down is gabriel like emerges by maddie like pulling the back of her head open and his little face just pops out like "Ah!" oh that was so crazy (laughs) and everyone's like what what is happening i I remember watching the movie for the first time going what (laughs) what is this this is little face And then he proceeds to beat the shit out of everyone, including the cops, after he got his knife and his coat back. Yes. In, in, a, in a scene that feels like it's taken out of Aquaman versus, <laughs> versus like, The Conjuring. Oh my god, I, I felt like I was watching, like, a John Wick movie, but with, like, a weird, like... A serial like, killer. A, a serial killer, like, a parasitic twin serial killer. <laughs> It's the best scene in the whole... Like, who who expects a giant action fight scene in a horror movie? Yeah, like, this movie is a lot of fun. Especially when you get to that late, later section... Those later sections of the movie and that opening yes. scene, of course. Um, uh, I like the music a lot in this uh, in this one, the too. Music, the music is very good. I've, I've become a huge fan of when horror movies take popular songs and retool them to be, like... Uh, 
horror songs or like horror tracks basically like i think of um promising young woman Mm. and how they turn the britney spears song toxic which is already a great song but they turn the britney spears song toxic into a horror track for that movie and it's not even it's like a thriller basically but like uh when they 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 sort of did a similar thing with this one by taking where is my mind Mm. and turning that so like and at first, I didn't realize it because I'm I'm watching the movie and I'm like, this sounds familiar because it's like going da 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 na 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 na, and I'm like, this sounds so familiar. And then I'm like, that's that's where is my mind? That's what that is. And I thought that was really cool. And it's it makes sense given that the movie is and there's so many like hits. Was there? Here's my question: Was there any time watching the movie that you? I, this is a two-part question for you, actually. Was okay. there any point watching the movie that you kind of had an idea of what was going to happen, or did you maybe figure it out? And in retrospect, what, knowing knowing what you know now, could, do you think there's any moments that make more sense in context? Well, I figured, obviously, like, like I think her knowing that, like, she was... Um, I, I think one of one of those scenes where her, we found out who is her mom, like stuck in the attic, like that one. Um, that scene was like I'm kind of like okay, there's they're the same entity, but what's gonna what's going on here? I don't know what the full the scope full scope of this thing is. Right. You know, um, I remember like mentioning you like oh you know how there's like the light and the the skylight in the attic, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then it, later on we see like another like round window that looks similar, uh, similar in a scene with Maddie and her, um, her sister. And I'm like, mm. Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> did you, did you, what did you think initially was going to happen? I guess. Um, like, do you think Maddie did it? Like, did you think it was going to be revealed that Maddie was the killer? I thought that I, I figured that she wouldn't have been like intentionally doing it, but like, I think I kind of, I kind of figured I'm like, okay, there's something, there's some shenanigans going on. I didn't know what exactly it was Whether Okay. She had like a, another brother where it was like, they like a psychic connection of, of some sort or like if she was like, but then that happens and you're just like, that is not at all what I was expecting this. <laughs> and it's crazy too, crazy now too. Cause you point this out when she, like it, when she has the trauma, like the head trauma um, mm-hmm. in the beginning and of the movie, it sets off things, right? It, so, it wakes him up. It wakes him up. So it makes, it makes total sense. And um, even like, there's even like lines in the movie. Like when she says, I buried him deep in the back of my head. Yeah. Only to learn later that that's actually literally what happened. Um, yeah. That's... And, what, and, that's, and that was, that, that's the gross scene, by the way, because there's a, you, in the, when they're watching the videotapes and the reveal, they show that they couldn't c- completely remove Gabriel from, from Maddie without killing her because he was so connected to her brain. Right. But they could remove the arms, like oh, all, God. all the important bits. Um, but then, like, as far as his head is concerned, like, his face, they had to, like, bury... They had to push it into her skull. It's so weird. And so... That scene... Like, I remember when that happened, and I was like, Joey, you don't have to look if you don't want to. Yeah, that was crazy. And then the end of the movie where, like, she defeats Gabriel, and her head, like, reforms back. <laughs> Heals it's up. Like, it's like, that's so crazy. Um... <laughs> It's you know like I said it's uh, it's definitely a lot of fun to watch, um, mm. and I was definitely laughing a lot watching this movie. 
it's just like, like there's intentionally funny bits, but also just like the the constant like <laughs> sheer insanity, the, the sheer like wildness of this movie. But again, like there's also there's also some layers to it because like like I watch it and I think this was and I believe this is intentional. But like again, I think there's a lot of feminist themes and specifically like I think of like stuff like abortion mm-hmm. and yeah. how like. You know, like with that, you know, because the thing is, like Maddie, again, when we meet her, she's a very meek, sort of not not necessarily weak, but very much like, you know, she's in an abusive relationship. She doesn't really have a lot of control over herself, and she literally has no control over herself. And then at the end of the movie, she's like, "This is my body. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make the decisions." And so I think that's really like for being for a movie being as crazy as it is. I think it has a nice, like, powerful message there as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. So at least it has like it's got. Oddly enough, it's got layer. It's got deep tissue layers. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, d- similar it has... to. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot going on in this movie. It's complicated, mm-hmm. as Meryl Streep would say in as that one as... movie she's in. I'm yeah, sure in that one movie she's in. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm but glad this... you liked it, though. I liked it, but I also feel like this is an example. This is a complete opposite of Curse because this feels like. I, I don't feel like the studio, like, the studio would be like, what notes do I give this? <laughs> like, when I first watched this, this was, my, my initial reaction was basically, James Wan at this point is probably one of the most successful directors working at both uh, New Line and Warner Brothers, because he's yep. got, he's got the Conjuring movies, plus the whole Conjuring universe, which have all made, you know, quality, you know, what have you, but they've all made money. Yes. Um, extremely like because there are a lot of them are low budgeted movies he gets them in on budget mm-hmm. and you know it's good stuff and of course he made a billion dollar film with aquaman like let's th- like think about that Aqu- and i said i'm sure i said this in the aquaman episode as well but aquaman made a billion dollars it's wild to think about so and then of course he made um one of the most beloved entries in the fast franchise for mm-hmm. universal not that that has anything to but like he's made a name for himself so I look at Malignant and I'm like, this is James Wan saying, okay, Warner Brothers, listen, I made all these movies and I had a great time and I love all these movies that I made and all the people that I've worked with, but I'm going to make something for me. And then I'm going to just, I just want whatever budget I want. And then Warner Brothers probably just was like, shit, we can't really say no, can we? Because <laughs> we need him. <laughs> he, he he was one of the few that stayed with us when we lost all those DC directors. <laughs> <laughs> shit! Alright, fine. Fine. Do it. Do what you want. I'm glad this got this got made when it did. Um, because I was actually like listening, because like, there's a lot of stuff going on with Warner Brothers right now because of the Discovery acquisition, and Zaslav mm-hmm. is cutting out all excess fat. Like, I was hearing a quote from him saying, why the hell did anybody greenlight that Clint Eastwood movie, Cry Macho? Well, you know, Clint has a history for us in the studio. What has he done for us lately? We're getting rid of this. And I could I could have, I, I could see that mentality, like, being like, okay, this is not something that's going to be going towards my goals, so axe, get, get it out of here. Uh, as yeah. they say, cut the cancer out. Uh, it's time to cut out the cancer. Yes, that delivery that was, was phenomenal. Chef's kiss. And I should mention this as well, because as we mentioned, the movie didn't make a whole lot of money. And, you know, Warner Brothers, I agree, would have definitely axed it if this was like, if it was being made now. 
But um, when it when they released it on home video, unfortunately, they never released a 4K for it. Which, which if this again, if this was before I had journeyed into this world of 4K that I'm now in, I would have been okay with because I'd be like, well, I, it's got Blu-ray, I can live with that. Granted, it only has one bonus feature, so they literally are just like, let's just throw it on Blu-ray and be done with it. However, um, I, I, it's, that's, that, that is not the case, and I am in a 4K mood, and I want a 4K of this movie because this movie looks great. It, it, it deserves it, and um, I, I tweeted several times to at Warner Brothers, even saying, "Hey, you know that Malignant movie that you guys got? Can you, can you, can you put that one on 4K? Just, just put it on 4K. It'd be nice." And thankfully, there were other people who were just as much upset that it didn't get a 4k so this year wb and james wan finally delivered and we now have a malignant 4k disc though again it still only has the one bonus feature i don't care i'm just happy that this exists this is real and i like the cover more though actually admittedly i like the cover for the blu-ray and this one admittedly okay because it's the it's the it's that really cool poster where it's like the shot of her eye and then like yeah, the big old like spikes coming out. So that is a cool cover. So I can't say that, but I'm happy that James Wan and Warner Brothers finally decided to release 4K, especially because so many of James Wan's movies aren't in 4K. It's so wild to think about. Like, I think there's only four of them. Like, it's it's the two action movies. It's this and Lionsgate did a did a remake did a release of uh, Saw. Hmm. But other than that, everything else is just on Blu-ray. Interesting. So interesting. So, uh, Warner Brothers and James Wan, let's keep that train going. <laughs> yes. Um, I think, obviously, we both enjoyed this movie. We definitely highly recommend it if it's if it's your bag. Um, you know, and I think this, this show, I think, in a weird way, I don't think it's a great pairing as far as, like, hey, these things have a lot in common. They're, they have a lot of opposites that we can talk about. Like, one... You know, they're bo- both great directors involved, but the, one is a project that James Wan definitely wanted to do, and the other was a project Wes Craven did not want to do. No, no, but it just, I think what it, it goes to show you that at some point it's better to just let people do what they want when it but comes the, to movies. It's it, it depends what you're, you know, obviously, again, we mentioned examples of producers having good ideas and obviously they have to keep track of money and stuff, but yeah, like, you know, sometimes you got to let the creatives be creative. And it's like, especially when, when they've gotten to a point where they've proven themselves to you. So it's like, especially like, if yeah. I, like, like Wes Craven, especially at that time had made some iconic movies. And if it wasn't for him, new line would have fallen under mm-hmm. if he never did um, nightmare on Elm street. And he'd made all these different movies. The only the only reason I could think that maybe it didn't work out because like what's st- what studio did Cursed anyway? Well, that was Miramax. <laughs> Duh. I just yeah. <laughs> yeah you and, your own and, question. Yeah, that that was a bad. That was a stupid question. But <laughs> um, but like the thing is, he has a great working experience with Miramax, and so the fact that Miramax was so adamant to like retool everything and not just trust him since you know he had made like he made all the scream movies he made all these other movies for them and so it's just such a weird thing that they would just like be like okay we're gonna take control of this right and 
So, but thankfully, you know, Wes would go on and make some other great movies. I recommend Red Eye. I recommend Scream Four, which was the last movie he ever directed. Um, so you know what? On that note, uh, rest in peace, Wes Craven. You're missed for sure. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the work that you've done. Absolutely, absolutely, folks. Um, <laughs> what are your What are your favorite um, Wes Craven movies? James Wan movies? Uh, what are your favorite movies that should not have happened but happened? What what are what are your feelings on schlock? Not just the movie, but the genre. What do you, what do you think? Just the schlocky things. What are some schlocky things that you like? <laughs> uh, and I think that's gonna wrap it up for this week's episode. Check us out next time. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs> Gabriel. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned in two weeks for a brand-new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. World poop?